It's been a fun first month of the 2019 season. Through 22 games, the West Virginia Power sits at a red-hot 15-7 and start and just two and a half games back of first place Delmarva in the Northern Division. The Power have gotten off to their second best start in team history and have done so thanks to a fantastic first 13 games inside their friendly confines at Appalachian Power Park. Throughout those contests, the Power boasts a tremendous 11-2 record, ripping off 10 consecutive wins at home that included a pair of sweeps and four straight series wins. Home cooking has become the mantra for the month of April for West Virginia, and no one has been hotter at home than Jared Kelnick. The Mariners' second-best prospect currently holds the longest-hitting streak in all of Class A baseball at 15 games, becoming the first power batter to accomplish that feat since Ben Bankston in 2018. While Kelnick has been stampeding through opposing pitchers, West Virginia's pitching staff held their own very formidably against Columbia and Asheville, posting a 0.79 ERA through the first six games of the most recent homestand before coming down to earth in the finale. Overall, it's been a month to remember for the 2019 West Virginia Power, with much more of the season's tale yet to unfold. But first, we want to savor the month that was here in 2019 as we dissect our stalwart April performance. Welcome to Expanding the Grid. Welcome to episode three of Expanding the Grid. Back here at Appalachian Power Park inside the home radio booth, David Kahn, Kyle Yeomans with you. Pleasure to be with you again here for episode number three of Expanding the Grid. Got a great episode coming up for you. Wanted to start with uh, talking about the incredible performance that West Virginia has put up here at home. Just finishing up their second home stand of the season, 11-2 and two is the record at home. Ten consecutive wins and all four series here at home have been series wins for the power. You can't get any better than that, Kyle. No, not at all. And we kind of said that at the end of the first homestand. It was like, hey, they went 5-1. and one. What can get any better? How about 6-1? and one? And a chance even going into the last day to have a perfect multi-series homestand. That's exactly what West Virginia did. The starting pitching was absolutely phenomenal up until the finale. Then you had, the, the of course, the bat of Jared Kelnick, which you talked about in your open, and... He's been unreal. Really, the entirety of this team around David Berg and his entire coaching staff has been magnificent. The roster is strong. The depth is there. And there's definitely a lot of fireworks to go around. Let's touch on Jared Kelnick, a Class A baseball best 15-game hitting streak going into the Powers road trip at Lakewood beginning on Tuesday at First Energy Park. Kelnick currently 27 for 60. During that stretch, that is unbelievable, the turnaround that we have seen from the first road trip for Kelnick. What's been the difference maker for him? Well, I think it's his approach. I think whenever you talk to Jared, and we've talked to him a couple different times throughout it, whether it's just in passing in the clubhouse or on the Night Horse Shredding pregame show, but what he's able to say is, hey, don't get too high up, don't get too down on yourself. And that's baseball in a nutshell. You hear that from every coach you've ever been in contact with in he. He doesn't just say that, though. He means it. You see him whenever he's rounding the bases on a home run. He's not smiling a whole lot. He's focused. Laser focus is one word that I know he's said in the past in an interview. Is It's exactly that. He goes up to every plate appearance, and he has no memory of his last plate appearance except for what he needs to do to do better and, and what he has to do against that specific pitcher in that specific situation to come through big for his team. Even in the finale against Asheville, he hits one the opposite way, something he hasn't done a whole lot this season. He does it down the opposite field line and then is able to hustle out a double to extend that hitting streak. He does everything so well, and it's really been a pleasure to watch as a broadcaster, but also... Just as a baseball fan in general, he's he's a, a special talent, no doubt. 
Absolutely. The Mariners' number two prospect finding his groove here in the month of April for West Virginia. A special moment in this homestand. Jared Kelnick getting two home runs, his first career two-home run game in the minor leagues, and it sets power history as he and Dean Navarez, who also hit two home runs on Friday, become the first pair of power batters to hit two home runs in consecutive games in team history. That's not the special moment, though. The special moment is Dean Navarez's second home run Friday night, setting the stage against the Asheville Tourists, down 3-2 to two in the ninth, down to their final strike. Dean Navarez came through. Navarez bangs his bat off his cleats, kicks some dirt out of the way, trying to get a good grip in that right-handed batter's box. Takes one half swing. Climbs back in, tugged at his white pants with the black stripes. He's ready. Martinez leans in. Gets the sign from McIver. Now sets. Hoists the glove up. 3-2. Part 2 to Navarez. And he lifts one high and deep to left center field. Way back. Wall. Gone. A two-run walk-off homer for Dean Navarez. An absolute bomb over the Adelphia side in left center. West Virginia wins 4-3. What a special moment for that young man who has an incredible story. A lot has been written about Dean Navarez. But one story that kind of came out of Friday's game that we sort of unearthed over the last couple of days that was really moving is that Dean Navarez actually was at a community appearance at Pinch Elementary School that morning and he was doing a presentation with several power players about leadership and perseverance. And one of the things that was asked of him at the end was a younger child said, uh, Dean, have you, have you hit a home run yet? And Dean said, no. And But then he followed that up with, I'm going to keep trying, echoing that theme of perseverance. Well, he came out that night. He hit two home runs, including a walk-off winner. You can't write a better script than that. No, you can't help but have that bring to a smile to your face. I don't care if you're a baseball fan or not. That's life. That's perseverance in life. And somebody who he talked about had to cross the border to get an American education whenever he was younger. It crossed the border in order to, to, to be able to be with his friends and to be able to learn the game of baseball along with it. And something that hasn't necessarily come to him easy. He said that himself and saying that, hey, baseball hasn't been something that's naturally come to me. I've had to work at it. I've had to persevere through these different things in my life. And then he comes out on the baseball field and delivers smiles to an entire fan base like that. I think it's by far, it's going to be a tough story to top this year, truth be told, because of the way that things unfolded and the dramatic side that that was also added into the story itself. My goodness. And, and by the way, great call, my friend, on, on the home run call. Uh, you, you were able to, to really put the emotion of the moment into the radio call of that. And, man, it, it was a... a such a fun night and such a cool story to, to be able to share throughout the, the homestand with our listeners and anybody else who's a Power or Mariners fan. Arguably one of the best games of the season for West Virginia, one of the most exciting moments of the 2019 season thus far. Let's flip over to the mound, though. The pitching staff, unreal during this homestand. The first six games, a 0.79 ERA for the starting staff. And really, I have to tip my cap to Clay Chandler, who tossed seven scoreless innings on his birthday, 25th <laughs> birthday. He comes out and shoves against the Asheville Tourists. Seven scoreless innings. He has not a lot of run in this last 18 innings pitched. He has really kind of you know, morphed into an even better Clay Chandler than he was last year with Clinton. Yeah, and he's really been the best pitcher in the South Atlantic League. No doubt about it. He leads the South Atlantic League in ERA. He's up there in innings pitched. He's up there in wins. He's going to be a great pitcher because of, and we talked about Dean Navarez's 
perseverance story. He's another one. He had one offer coming out of high school, and it was to a junior college, went to junior college for a couple of years, then transferred to southeast Missouri and was able to, to work up from being at SEMO to being picked up by the Mariners, and now he's showing why that was a good decision on the Seattle Mariners' side of what he was able to do not only – throughout his two starts here, but the entire 2019 season. But you mentioned the staff as a whole. Throughout the single series sweep of Columbia, beating the Fireflies three straight games, here are the stats for the three starters. 15 and a thirds innings pitched, no runs, one hit, and a combined 24 Ks. Throughout the three different guys, these aren't just one guy. This is three different starters for this West Virginia rotation that combined to allow just one hit over 15 and a third innings and struck out 24 batters. That is absolutely mind-boggling. And the one hit was Clay Chandler, who gave it up in five scoreless innings. Ryan Inman came out, fired five and a third no hit. Damon Cassetta Stubbs, in his power debut, five no hit innings. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. We've really enjoyed this entire homestand so far this 2019 season in the month of April. We've loved uh, sharing the the, uh, emotions and the storylines with you. And one of the players who has been making a ton of storylines out of the bullpen, Devin Sweet, a reliever from Greensboro, North Carolina, who has been elevated to West Virginia power for the start of the 2019 season. He has been rock solid out of the bullpen for basically the entirety of the month of April. Devin joins us now. And Devin, for starters, why don't you just touch on uh, your start to the 2019 season and how you've been feeling out there? Um, well, starting this year off, I just wanted to uh, focus on what I could control, like I told um, him earlier in the season. Um, just wanted to get out there, do my thing, not worry about who was, in the pl- who was at the box, um, not worry about like the scouting report. I just really want to focus on what I'm, my strengths are, execute my pitches like, like they want me to, and, and I've just gotten good results doing that so far. You seem like you've been called upon in a lot of clutch situations this year early on out of the bullpen you came in on opening day you pitch a career high three innings and you get the win do you thrive kind of in that role yeah definitely as a pitcher you want to come in games where it obviously matters a little bit more um so when it's a close game you feel like you're you're doing something that that's more a little bit more important obviously every time you pitch is important but when you're in a close game your adrenaline kind of, kind of keeps going and you really want to win the team win the game for your team so you want to do your best job at keeping runners off bases and keeping guys from scoring you have four pitches, but the changeup has been one that's really been touted about you. You got the nice circle change grip. We've seen it a couple of times in the pictures that have been taken of you. How did you develop that pitch, and when did you really start feeling confident in it? Well, actually, um, I learned that pitch from a a guy when I was in the seventh grade. Um, it's a big, big, like heavy set guy. He just sat in the chair, watched us throwing our bullpens at our tryouts in middle school, and he saw me pitching. He said, "Hey, sweet, come over here. I'm gonna show you something." So, like, he was just sitting in his chair, just laid back, and, like, grabbed a circle change and just kind of flicked it to me. And he was like, you see that right there, sweet? That's how, that's how you throw a change. You see how it dropped off right there? So, that kind of just stuck with me. And um, ever since then, that's how I've thrown it. I've just perfected a little bit more. So, he didn't even get out of the chair, and he taught you how to throw one of the nastiest pitches we've seen this season without even give, getting up and exerting any physical energy? That's right. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> he just tossed he might be one, one of the time. best coaches ever. Yeah, just, yeah. One, just one toss and then it stuck <laughs> in my brain forever. <laughs> so when did you start feeling comfortable throwing that circle change? Obviously, seventh grade, you learned it. But when did you really know, okay, I have this in my arsenal. This is my out pitch. I can throw this whenever I want. Um, probably my sophomore year of, co- of high school. Um, that's when I first got a pitch on varsity a couple times. And uh, I just – 
I just threw it as a, just another pitch, and I really noticed that it was um, catching guys off guard. So I was like, wow, this is a really good pitch. I'm going to keep throwing it. And since then, it's just been my, my pitch, and I've gotten better at it. And that changeup has been your most successful pitch, but you do have an arsenal of, of different pitches that you like to go to as well. What's your, your secondary pitch? What do you classify as maybe your number two that some days might even be a number one? Um, well, I'm working on a slider right now. Um, some days it's pretty good. Some days it's not so good. Um, for the most part, I've seen pretty good success with it. Um, but I'd say my number two probably right now, maybe maybe my sinker, because on some day, certain days I can throw it and it works just just like my my um, my changeup. It gets in on the righties' hands; they can't really get to it. So, and I've thrown it a couple times out here. So, some days this is my sinker. Is that slider something new that you've just added over the last couple of months? Well, I threw it. I messed around with it in college, but it wasn't like a great pitch. I mean, it was good for college um, against college hitters. Um, but this off season, they sent me to the Dominican Republic for the instructional league to work on that pitch. So that's been my main focus for the off season and. Um, just trying to get a good feel for it and get get comfortable with it because I know late in the season, once scouting reports get better, teams will be looking for my changeup more. So if I have that third pitch to throw in there, it'll kept, keep them off off balance. Now, last year after you got signed by the Mariners, you were in three different affiliates: Everett, Clinton, and Modesto. Being split all over the place in 2018, did that hinder or kind of help you in your first year in pro ball? I feel like it definitely helped me because um, coming in once I first signed, I was. Just really nervous. I didn't. I felt like I didn't belong because I didn't get drafted. So I was, came in with the mindset that I need to prove myself um, or I might not get to play much longer. So when I first went up to Clinton um, and I had success, that really gave me a confidence boost and let me know that I belonged. And then the manager brought me in. It's like pretty much told me the same thing. Like, you you deserve to be here. Like, act like it. Like, know it. So that experience um, really helped my confidence. And then playing with the guys – that were drafted like high high in the draft and just building the camaraderie with the team that really helped as well so I feel more more comfortable this year now let's go back to draft day you didn't get drafted were you expected to get drafted what was kind of like the process like for you on draft day yeah um this the area scout in my um that was following me through the year he's he said after his meetings with um the Mariners pre-draft he said it went really, really well he expected me to go sometime during the third day, maybe early on the third day. So um, that's what I was expecting. Um, I didn't really hear much from the Mariners before the draft, but I just heard from him. Um, and when it didn't happen, he texted me immediately after. He said, hey, I'm super sorry that it didn't work out for you, but just keep working out, keep throwing. Spots always open up, and I'll let you know as soon as the spot opens up. So that's what I did. Um, and then right in July, that's when um, they gave me the call, and I was like, yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the spot. So. That's just how how it happened. Were you expecting to get a spot? At first, I was I was pretty optimistic, but um, I had already had affairs in order for grad school. I got into Virginia Tech for engineering. Um, so I, about a month after the draft, I was like, all right, I need to get ready to start my my life without baseball. I need to get my affairs in order. Um, so that's that was kind of my mindset. And then as soon as I kind of just gave up on it, that's when it came back to me. So every every experience I get now, I just get really. I, I really try to take advantage of it. What was that moment like when you got the call? I know I, I read you were at the, the RDU airport. You were dropping somebody off, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get the call saying, hey, there might be a spot, and then 20 minutes later, boom, there's a spot, and you're signed. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a crazy experience because he, he had texted me a couple of days before. He's like, hey, we might have a spot for you. I'll let you know as soon as possible. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, they might, but they'll probably go with somebody else. Don't even Don't get your hopes up. 
So I like, went about my day. Next day, I was going at the airport about to pick someone up. He goes, hey, we might have a spot for you. Can you, Do you still want to play? I was like, yeah, sure. So I was like, ah, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Then 20 minutes later, he calls, hey, we got a spot. When you can get? When can you get out here? I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I, was like, um, I was like, I can get out here a couple couple days, I guess. <laughs> so that's that's when they flew me out and got my career started. And I feel like you, you wouldn't actually say the, the words, yeah, sure, whenever he actually was on the phone. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I don't think you were just like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. <laughs> like, the Mariners just picked me up. It's mm-hmm. whatever. What, what was that like from uh, – a dream standpoint you grow up you're in the game and then you finally have that opportunity and that phone call was it kind of surreal for you what Mm -hmm. was going through your mind yeah it just felt it was like a numbing experience like Mm -hmm. it's something that I've dreamed of all my life being able to play professional baseball and when actually the opportunity came to me I felt like it wasn't real Mm -hmm. until until I got out there and I got my feet wet so I was just like super nervous excited anxious every every emotion uh, I could have I had at that point Devin Sweet joining us here on Expanding the Grid. Uh, now, I know you grew up actually as a fan of several high-quality Mariners players, Ichiro, Ken Griffey, and Felix Hernandez. What did you like about watching those players, and how cool was it to now know that you could be the next future Mariners star coming you know, on the heels of their legacy? Well, I feel like all three of them just kind of changed the game in their own way. And, you know, Ken Griffey brought like a different kind of like swagger to the game. Ichiro, he was one of the pioneers for Japanese players coming in. Um, and then Felix, he was just dominant all through through his years. So it was just really fun to watch them going through the game. And then, of course, growing up in North Carolina and being a part of Greensboro, you're not necessarily near a whole lot of major league teams, at least within the near vicinity. But did you get to grow up watching a little bit of minor league baseball at the time? Definitely, definitely. Um, when I was a young kid, we still had the Greensboro Bats, which was a part of the um, Yankees organization. So I wasn't I wasn't there but I know we've had Jeter and all the all the legend Yankee players come through and then when they switched them um to the Marlins we had John Carlos Stanton come through and we've had like visiting teams we had Bryce Harper come through so it's I've always been at the park and then also my high school hosts a tournament there for spring break so I'm at, I'm at that field all the time when I'm home. What are some of those experiences that you took from growing up around minor league ballparks in Greensboro, and how has that helped you now that you're actually in minor league ball? Well, it just helps me appreciate where I'm at. I, you get Often it's like once you get to a place in life, you kind of get used to it and get comfortable. And I just think back when I was a kid, I was looking up to the Grasshoppers players like they were like superstars. And I, and I like the experience I had today working with the kids, I was like, real wow, this is – this is where I was at before. I, I I thought I was a superstar where I'm at right now. So it's just a humbling experience. It makes me want to keep working hard and, and and enjoy my opportunities. So you go through your first year. You're split between three different levels. You get a, a little bit of a taste of everything in the minor leagues. And then you get ready for this season. You know you're going to be a 140-game you know season. You're going to start here in West Virginia. What was the shift that you made in spring training to kind of get yourself ready for the full bore of a, of a full season? Well, going into spring training, I had – I had high hopes that I would end up here just being close to home, and it's a, a step up from where I was last year. Um, but I wasn't too sure where I would end up. So at first I was slated to start the season off in Everett um, for short season. So that was my goal was really just to go out every every opportunity I could and show why I needed to be here, why I deserved to be here. So that was my main goal, just go out, do my job as best as I could, give the best effort, and let the managers and pitching coaches know that I deserve to be here and then just getting here I just want to keep that mindset of just working hard all the time and I know that if I put
put the groundwork in now early in the season, it'll help me in the long run. And you've certainly done that. You've certainly shown everybody here why you deserve to be one of the lockdown members of this power bullpen. Devin Sweet joining us on Expanding the Grid. Let's go back to your college days. North Carolina Central Eagle, for you were the 10th player drafted in the modern era since 2007. So obviously, you know, huge accolades. You leave there as the all-time wins and strikeouts leader. So, you know, a lot of varied success for you at North Carolina Central. But let's flash back to going there. Why did you decide to go to that school? Well, coming out of high school, um, I didn't really have a lot of a lot of interest from different school um, schools, just because I was a kind of a late bloomer in high school. My velo didn't pick up until my senior year, so by then, a lot of schools are pretty much t- uh, giving up all their scholarship opportunities. And North Carolina Central was really one of the main schools that showed interest in me at a at an early age. Um, and I really liked the campus. I really liked the coaches. Um, they seemed like they really were interested in me, and they had a really really big big impact on our academics as well they made sure we really uh hit it hard in the classroom i think that helped me out a, a lot do you have any other really offers out there or was it really just kind of you you got this offer and you jumped at the opportunity um well i had another offer at north carolina A&T, which is actually their rival and is, is is in my hometown actually um and then a couple of d2 offers but i chose them over A&T because i just liked the coaching staff a lot better at the time and i just wanted to get away from home a little bit now, I know you were mainly a starter there, but you also were a hitter in your freshman year. You hit three forty three and 35 at-bats, so not too shabby. Uh, what made you make the switch first from uh, full-time to pitching, and then now you became a reliever here in the minors? Um, well, going into college, honestly, my coach, he did not want me to hit at all. He he seen me hit a couple times, and I didn't, I didn't impress him. So... <laughs> You're 343. What are you yeah, talking so about? Coming into college, I was like, all right, all right, coach. If I come here, I want to at least the opportunity to be a two-way player because I I had done that all my life, and I felt like being a pitcher only would have been really boring for me. So I was like, man, I, I need I need you to give me the opportunity. And he did in the fall, and he's like, all right. Well, you're pretty good at this. I'm gonna let you do it. And then it it just worked out for me. I, was, I mean, I saw honestly the best I've hit probably in my life. I just seen the ball really well. But then the next year. um, he kind of wanted me. He want, he let me go for it again, but he kind of wanted me focused on starting pitching more because uh, my arm had taken a little bit of a toll doing the two way stuff, and then um, it just kind of just got me into being a pitcher because that's that was that was my way to make it to the to pro baseball. Now you had uh, you were a catcher and an infielder. I know in high school, and you were a switch hitter. So you have some of the most varied tools at hitting, yet you become a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was a good hitter at times, but throughout the course of the season, I don't think I would have been able to last with the guys out here, obviously. Yeah. So, and Talking about some of the guys out here, you grew up in a close vicinity to Cesar Treo mm-hmm. down in Greensboro as well. Did you guys ever cross paths in your, your journey here, and then now you're end up teammates? Actually, we did. The first time I remember playing against Cesar, I think he was seven years old. I was eight years old. Wow. And no kidding. Um, we kind of played against each other for a long time. We played with each other a few times uh, here and there. And then in high school, we faced, faced each other for a couple years as well. All right, so give me the scouting report on Caesar Trejo. <laughs> You're a pitcher. Okay. How do you get him out? Okay, well, when I pitched against him, the ways I got him out was definitely my changeup. He's a really good fastball hitter, so you gotta you got to work your corners. You can't leave anything over the plate. Um, I would say stay away with the fastball. Maybe work up in the zone sometimes, but you gotta show some kind of off speed, like low in the zone. So, so he's out. a tough hitter to get out. 
Yeah, if you if you if you throw something over the plate, he's pretty tough to get out because he can hammer a fastball. Why am I not surprised that the first answer was, "Hey, throw him a changeup." <laughs> the the oh, circle yeah. change is the way to get him out. I, I saw that and I just wondered: was you talk about the younger age? Did you guys ever cross paths in high school as well? We did. Um, actually, I remember I we I faced him twice, but the first the one time I do remember. The first at bat, I faced him. I left him a fastball over the plate. He hit a bomb. And then <laughs> I struck him out on the Uh-oh. next at bat. Okay, so you got yeah. one and one. Well, well, that's was why the... he knows the scouting report. That's he exactly fastball right. fastball over the plate. Trey yeah. with a bomb, and then he struck him out with a changeup. So yeah. he knows both ends of yeah, it. But uh, what was that day like once you figured out that you were going to be teammates with, with Trey And what was that interaction like between the two of you? It was really cool because I, I had seen that he had gotten drafted by the Mariners. So I was... Um, I was like, man, that'd be cool if we could play together. Um, and then when they gave me the call, I let him know. I was like, hey, I got signed by the Mariners. He's like, oh man, that's super cool. And then it turns out actually we end up being roommates in Arizona, and now we're playing together with the Power. So it's just a really cool experience. Yeah, uh, talking about a little bit more about your time at NC Central, uh, your head coach Jim Corner since 2011. Uh, you know, second coach in history. Obviously, a very storied history for him. What was it like uh, working under him, and what was the biggest thing he taught you? Um, he was just a really a really fundamental coach. He really wanted us to stay stick to a plan. And I feel like the biggest impact on me um, was just helping me build a routine for myself and um, a really good work ethic and a good mindset to stay focused on what I need to do um, throughout the duration of a season. That was, that was his big thing. It's being focused on what we needed to do throughout the season. Now we got a fan question in from John Troopin, at John Troopin on Twitter. Uh, so there was a new tradition started in 2018 – you won the inaugural NCCU Baseball K-Helmet, which was covered with stickers representing every strikeout thrown by the Eagles that year, 402 strikeouts, for those who are unaware of the tradition. Now, the question was, did you get to keep the K-Helmet? Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah? kept it. It's just sitting at home. My dad's probably going to get a trophy case for us sometimes. So oh, wow. A lot, of, a lot of the players are really upset that I got to keep it, but <laughs> I set a couple records, so I had, to, I had you, to. You sure did. The all-time wins leader and K's leader and single-season strikeouts leader with 87 in your final year. The second question from John, are the, the power working on making something similar this year with how many strikeouts you and the rest of the staff are getting? Because we, I mean, the entire staff has been piling up the K's. I don't know if they're working on anything, but I feel like they definitely should because – we're we're killing it, and then the entire organization we're leading all the other other organizations to strikeouts. So, I think that that should be definitely something that that they might. That think would be about. a really really big helmet right now. Oh yeah, especially once we're done with the 140 games. Oh yeah, that's a big helmet right now. Here on Friday, April 26th, before the game begins, we're at 211 strikeouts. Oh, yeah, and wow. that's not the most in the South Atlantic League. Which wow. is unreal. That's the third most. But 211 Ks, and you're right. The Mariners system is far and away <laughs> leading minor league baseball in terms of systems and strikeouts. So I think we might need something bigger than a helmet. Yeah, I don't know what we could do. What maybe we, a maybe what? like a chair seat, like a stadium seat. Okay, yeah. That's well, not yeah. A bad what would your idea. suggestion be? Um, yeah, I think that would be the best one. Maybe all the right. stadium seat. All right, all right. I like it. All right, so stadium seat with stickers for all the strikeouts because, I mean, I this we can staff, make that happen. it's got to be pretty incredible for you as a member of this bullpen to, one, contribute to this, and, two, to see the incredible work this staff has done this year. Definitely, it's, and it's really, go, really cool to see all the guys do their, do their thing, and it's like we're competing against each other, but not in a way that we want to beat each other out. We want to lift each other up. So when you talk about competing, um, I think with the Mariners, they really want – you to compete together, not against each other. So that's one thing I think we're doing well. And what's it like being a part of a unit, like you said, lifting each other up, but also just a unit that's had success so far and having confidence not only in yourself but those around you as well? 
it's really cool because it makes it makes it more relaxing in the game, and especially when you're watching, just to know that hey, he's going out there, he's going to do his job. Um, I don't have to worry about him. He's going to do his job. Or if you mess up, like when I messed up against um, Asheville, um, Brian Paul came in and he saved the inning, did his job. So it's just really calming. Really, it's really good to be able to trust your guys that way. Continuing along with Devin Sweet here on Expanding the Grid. A couple of quick hitters for you here, and then we'll transition into our final segment with you. Uh, Another uh, fan question on Twitter, Lookout Landing asking, uh, with a last name like Sweet, I have to know if he's a candy guy, and if so, what are your favorite (laughs) snacks? You have to have been asked that question before. Yeah, um, I'm not really a big candy guy. I like like chocolates a lot. Um, Okay, what Big Hershey guy, big Kit Kat guy. Okay. Um, Those are two really good ones. I, oh, yeah. I, I would like one right now. That'd be great. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to love Crunch Bars. Ooh. So I think that's my, that's my thing is cho- chocolate, definitely. Is that the ideal movie snack? Yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. Crunch Bars or chocolate or any kind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. So is it Nestle Crunch or anything else? Uh, Nestle, definitely Nestle. Okay, all right. Uh, favorite baseball player growing up? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I have to say I really love watching Justin Verlander pitch. Mm-hmm. Just the way he could come out in the game. 90, 92, start off the inning or start off the game, finish the ninth inning, sitting a hundred. It was just incredible to watch. Is that the mentality you take when you're on the mound? I want to get faster and better as the game goes along. Definitely, especially in everything I do, pretty much I want to finish like better than I started. So when I'm working out, I want to finish uh, better than I started. When I'm running, like say I run a tra- on the treadmill, I want to finish running faster than I started. So that's just kind of the mindset I have with with what I do. Last quick hitter here before we take a quick break with Devin Sweet on expanding the grid. Uh, favorite ballpark you've been to, major or minor league? Um, I have to say the Mariners, uh, Mariners Stadium was pretty nice. We they took us there before the playoffs last year in Everett, and that was really cool. But I actually got to play at Boston at Fenway in in college. We had, got to host a series there. Really? Um, yeah. So that was that. I think that has to be the best experience. Cause I I pitched and I I got to hit there. So it was, wow. it was really cool. Did, yeah. did you get a base hit? Yeah, I went one for three. One for three. Where where'd you hit it? Uh, it was just a little blooper down the left of the okay. line, but All right. I'll take it. We had that little garage. <laughs> it can get caught in there, and you get a triple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that that must have been a surreal moment for yeah, you. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. Really cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Devin Sweet going to join us here for our final segment of Expanding the Great Episode 3 after this. Stay tuned. Back here on Expanding the Grid, final segment, Devin Sweet sticking with us. Now, Devin, uh, in an earlier interview this year with uh, Kyle Yeomans on the Night Horse Shredding pregame show, you mentioned your love of superheroes, and you mentioned that you're a big superhero guy. You guys talk Marvel, you talk DC, you talk the Avengers. Well, it's only fitting that Avengers Endgame, the final uh, movie in the series, is coming out, and it, it you know it's obviously going to be miraculous. I haven't seen it yet. I don't think Kyle has. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, in your clip your love of superheroes, and and you talked about how your favorite superhero was the Hulk. So I want to listen to that clip right now. So you talk about the Masters. You're a family guy. Of course, you are a brilliant baseball player. You're a, basically a real life superhero, and I hear you're really into Marvel superheroes. Are you excited about Avengers Endgame coming up soon? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's my it'd be my favorite movie. I've been waiting for it all year. As soon as Infinity War finished, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait till the next one comes out. Like I sat in the theater like, man, I can't believe this ending just happened like this, but I can't wait for the next one. So I'm super excited. Who's your favorite superhero? I have to have to go with the Hulk because oh. he just he just he's just a monster. I can't I love him. Has anybody ever called you the Hulk? 
No, not not ever, not ever. <laughs> but it's it's my favorite. So Devin, obviously mentioning your love of superheroes, uh, where did that love of superheroes begin? Um, I don't. I guess it's strong for me playing video games with my dad growing up. Um, played a lot of like DC video games, Marvel video games, and um, I don't know. I just love always having the the guy that is the most dominant, the most the strongest can. <laughs> beat everybody up so. so that's why hulk yeah i guess so <laughs> okay. i guess so favorite movie of uh favorite superhero movie you've ever seen uh in game or not in game but in infinity war was a really good one i at first i when i first watched it, i didn't like it because the ending was so crazy uh you're not used to seeing an ending like that but um since then i, I look back on it, man that's a really great movie um the way it ended everything going on it kept you on your toes so so far that's my best i'm hoping in game is better but we'll see Marvel versus DC, definitely Marvel. Okay, definitely Marvel. Right. DC's trying to catch up now, but yeah. Marvel's got them by you, far. You agree, oh, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I do Not too. even close. All right, three Marvels, clean sweep, just like we did to Columbia a couple days ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Um, I'd probably want to fly. That'd be that'd be really cool, being able to fly. All so right, that's my superpower. So we're going to do one final thing with you here. You obviously know superheroes very well. Mm-hmm. You know superpowers, and, and, and you know the Avengers movies as well. So I have taken ten Avengers, and I've printed them out. I'm going to ask you about them. And what okay. I want you to do is I want you to say which member of the 2019 current West Virginia Power is this member of the Avengers. And this okay. is a long list from the originals to the, the latest ones that came in during Infinity War. Okay. So we, I tried to spread them out a little bit. There's yeah. not, I couldn't get everybody because I didn't want to you know, take 30 minutes to do this. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm just going to well, – Kyle and I will switch off, reading them off one by one, and you just tell us who is that Avenger and why. And you can do coaching staff. You can do, uh, you know, you can do the trainer, the strength coach. You can do players. You can do yourself, okay. whatever you want to do. All right. So I'm going to start, and we'll start with an old classic, Captain America. Captain America. Hmm, let me think. Man, that's kind of a tough one because he's a, he's just a, a super leader, right? Um, I would I would I would have said Manny Pazos, but he's he's gone. You could say Manny if you okay, want to. Okay, yeah, yeah. definitely Manny because he came in. Actually, no, I'll take that back. Take that back. All right, <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it to Stephen Morris because he kind of tries to be the leader of the team. So fitting enough that Captain America is Steve Rogers. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Hey, that works. All right, so Stephen Moyers is Captain America. All right, Kyle, uh, I'll ask him the next one. Okay, how about uh, let's go with Tony Stark, who is Iron Man on the West Virginia Power. Iron Man. I definitely give Iron Man to. Hmm, it's got to be somebody that's kind of, kind of clever, kind of, kind of, kind of quirky, kind of annoying. A little bit of wit to him. A little him. bit of wit. Yeah. Well, Iron Man described as a genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. Yeah. It's about. As good as a description as you could come up with. Oh, good. I printed it off the internet. Oh, so. good. Okay. <laughs> good. The internet's got us yeah. this time. Oh, yeah. Um, Man, this is tough. I'd give it to... I, the first person that pops in my head is Ryan Ogren, okay. honestly. Why? Just because he's like the funny guy in the locker room. He tries to keep everybody like into it, I guess. Keep everybody laughing in a good mood and... um. He just fits that personality, I feel like. We wish Ryan all the best, by the mm. way, with the Baltimore Orioles organization getting traded a couple of days ago. But we'll see him when he's with the Dunbar oh, yeah. Shorebirds. Uh, next one for you. Uh, we'll go with the Hulk. The Who Hulk. is Bruce Banner? Bruce Banner. Definitely Ryan Edmond because he has a little bit of like a temper. That. A yeah. little bit of a temper. <laughs> whenever, whenever he doesn't get a, ma- a weight that he wants to in the weight room, he gets a little a little angry. Yeah. So he, can, he can get under his skin pretty easy. Right. I like that a lot. How about uh, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Spider-Man would definitely be, I give it to Arius, to Dyson Arius. Really? He's, why? He's like a lanky, like 
skinny guy. Okay. He kind of, <laughs> I don't know, he just fits the, fits the description for me. Okay. All right, I'm very interested to hear who you pick for this one. Who is Groot? Groot. Ooh. Played hey, by that, Vin Diesel, too. That could have been Arius, too. Um, Groot. I give it to to Gilbert because he's the, he's the tallest guy on the team. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. That right. was the first one that popped in my head yeah. too. All right, he's, Logan Gilbert is Groot. Okay. A little bit of a soft spoken yeah, guy as kinda, well. Kinda yeah. quiet, Man of very quiet. few words. It, whenever he does speak, he he makes sure that he's known, and so yeah. I like that a lot. That's a great one. How about Thor? Thor. Thor, I probably give to. Hmm. I give Thor to probably Dave Ellingson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Why? Well, he kind of looks like him a little bit. His beard's bigger, but... Yeah. Um, Can you see him wielding the massive hammer? Uh, I don't know if he's that strong, but I think he <laughs> might look up to it. But I, I don't know. He's just kind of... He's kind of a funny guy, and Thor kind of instigates a little bit with uh, Captain America and Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. So he he kind of instigates a little bit in the, in the bullpen, so he kind of fits. All right. How about Black Panther? Definitely me. There oh you God. go. I, I like say, that. You, okay, you kind of have the same the same look as as, as uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, that's probably one of my one. Of, besides the Hulk, that's probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah. That's a that's a great movie too. The oh, individual yeah. movie for the Black Panther was one of my favorite individual mm-hmm. Marvel Avenger movies. Absolutely, by far. Okay, how about this one? This one's going to get a little interesting because he's kind of on the good side, but also not on the good side. How about Loki? Ooh, trickster. I ooh man. Dave could fit that one too. Ooh, okay. But if I had to pick somebody, let me think. Let me think. I'm trying to think of all the guys in the locker room. Um. Oh, Charlie McConnell, definitely. Actually, huh. yesterday, uh, Steve Moore was sleeping in the dugout, and he Charlie covered him with about thirty chairs and and towels <laughs> while he was sleeping. So definitely Charlie. <laughs> what was the reaction to that? He just woke up and. I guess he saw what was what was above him, and he's like just screaming, "Charlie, Charlie, help, help!" <laughs> <laughs> did so, he know it was him? I get—I don't know how he did, but he knew it was him right away. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go with uh, Rocket the Raccoon. Rocket the Raccoon. I'll probably give it to Izzy because he's he's the smallest guy in the locker room. So. I like that one, That's and good. he's he's pretty loud and funny, kind of like Rocket is too. Yeah. Uh, nice and scrappy as well mm-hmm. at the same yeah. time. Okay, and I believe this is our final one. Yep. How about Star Lord from? Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Lord. Ooh. Chris Pratt, of course, yeah. playing that mm-hmm. character. It's an interesting one because he's, he's described as a cocky space cowboy yep. with daddy issues <laughs> and obviously has a huge crush on Gamora. Yeah. I'm not sure if that mm-hmm. helps you at all. but First first, first person that pops in my mind is probably Dean because he's a kind of a cocky, like a little arrogant guy. Hmm. But he's not. he doesn't mean it. He's just That's just how he is. Yeah. Um, who else could it be? That's yeah. I think probably or actually probably Connor Hoover. Honestly, really. Oh, Hoover okay. Well, tell us a little bit about Connor because he's new to the team. We don't know him that well. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just like a really like really uh, outgoing guy. He kind of tries to be like the funny guy in the group all the time. Um, he's really outgoing. Tries to. He kind of kind of reminds me of uh, Ogren a little bit, but he's like more a little more over the top, kind of like Star Lord is. <laughs> all right, well, Devin, thank you so much for all, uh, for uh, helping us organize the uh, the power into the Avengers of 2019. You definitely know your stuff, uh, Kyle. Any final th- uh, final things for Devin? Well, first off, it's been a joy getting to talk to you thank throughout you. the the last couple of minutes, and also at the same time being able to watch you and and know your story and your background. 
Um, I'm interested to to hear what are some of your your goals this year. If you you look down the road, where you want to be at the end of 2019? Well, my first goal that I I have for this year is obviously making the team. Um, and then I wrote down I wanted to make the All Star team. So that's one of my goals I'm working for right now. And then um, if that works out, then my next goal would be to maybe possibly get moved up to high A by the end of the year. So. All right, well, Devin, those are fantastic goals. We've really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here. For Devin Sweet, Kyle Yeomans, that's going to do it for this edition of Expanding the Grid, Episode 3. I'm David Kahn. We will talk to you when the power returns on May 8th for the May 8th to 13th homestand. But for now, we get set to hit the road for Lakewood and Greensboro, the home of Devin Sweet. For now, signing off on Expanding the Grid. <laughs>